He has never lost a battle. Our God can do anything but fail. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've gone through, you plus God equals the majority. As a nation, we have gone through tremendous turmoil. As a nation, we've gone through tremendous division and dissension. As a nation, we've gone through much sickness and death. As a nation, we've gone through much racial strife and political mire. But I am here today to tell you, and I am sent by God to say to you this, God has never lost a battle. And I'm here to remind you of who God is, who you are, and whose we are. If you're going through a health challenge, I want you to know that God has never failed. If you are going through a court challenge, I want you to know that God has never failed. If you are going through a mental challenge, I want you to know that if you keep your mind stayed on him, he will keep you in perfect peace. He's a doctor that's never lost a patient, a lawyer who's never lost a case. And he can be the wonderful counselor who can guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to handle any anxiety that may make you nervous or afraid or fearful. It says in Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, on this Sunday morning after the election, we come before you in worship and in praise because we know that you are in charge, that you are the God of the universe, the president of all things, the, the Supreme Court justice of all matters. And Lord, we are just reaffirming today that you've never lost a battle. And so in this message, we pray that you would warm our hearts, inspire us, and remind us what it means to be gracious. In Jesus' name we pray. Together everyone said, Amen and amen. Yesterday morning, I spoke with a, a female on Zoom. She was born to parents, one Indian, the other African-American. When we were done talking, it was announced that Vice President Biden and Senator Kamala Harris were declared the winners of the presidential election. But who was that female I spoke with on Zoom? a little eight-year-old cutie pie by the name of Eve Samuel. Tim Samuel and Stephanie Samuel are part of our ministry. Tim is our CFO, his wife, Stephanie. Tim is from, an Indian, from Indian descent, his wife, African-American descent. And they have a little daughter. They have three kids, and their oldest one, eight years old, Eve. And before the other grown-ups got on to the Zoom call, there was Eve, and she was saying, hello, pastor. And the beautiful thing about this moment with Eve was that after the grown-ups came on and after we were done our time together, when we came out of the study and I turned on the television, we had just learned of the results of the election. And what's beautiful about it, not necessarily uh, the, the party that won, but the person that is the vice president-elect happens to be a woman born to a mixed couple, an Indian parent and an African-American Jamaican parent. 
and it made me reflect on how little eight-year-old Eve could actually look and see that there is a possibility that she could do anything that she wanted to do. She could one day become the vice president or maybe even the president of the United States. That in a long line of generations of all men, and specifically white men who are vice presidents up to this moment, here is a girl who broke the glass ceiling and little Eve saw that, wow, she's like me, multicultural. Now, I've mentioned this to you, regardless of the party, I'm saying to you that in a sense, history has been broken and it has an emotional impact on people. Whether it's women, whether it's people of color, the bottom line is if we're going to be gracist, then we have to remember the seven sayings of a gracist and the last one is, I will celebrate with you. If you didn't vote for Biden or Harris, this is a time that you have to live out this saying of gracism. I will celebrate with you means rejoicing when the humble and the less fortunate among us are helped. Let me give a word to those of you who are Trump voters, 70 million of you. If you are struggling with the political candidate of yours who didn't win, remember, God has never lost a battle. God is still in control, regardless of who's in the White House, the State House, the outhouse, the whorehouse, the crack house. God is sovereign over every area of the universe, and nothing happens outside of him knowing about it. And I promise you, he didn't wake up sometime this week and say, boy, I wonder who's going to win. God is still in control. So don't put your hope in anyone except the Lord. Psalm 20, verse 7 says this, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. The problem is in America, we often divide ourselves based on so many different things, color, class, culture. And when I say color, I'm not just talking about white or black, brown. I'm talking about those political colors, red, and blue. Red is for the Republican Party. That's their color. I'm wearing a red shirt. Blue is for the Democratic Party. And, you know, they not only divide themselves into colors, but if you've been watching a map, you can see they paint the map. Certain states are red states based on voting. Certain states are blue states based on voting. And what are the concerns of those that vote red? What are the concerns of those who voted blue? Well, if I'm going to stand on the Republican side in my red shirt, some of those concerns are about the economy, small business growth, corporate deregulation, less taxes, pro-life, anti-abortion, pro-law and order at home, pro-military abroad, pro-traditional marriage and the anti-gay agenda, stemming of the tide of immigration and building a wall, et cetera, et cetera. And you may wonder now, how's all of this going to turn out with a new regime that is coming? Remember what I said, God is in control. What are the concerns and the matters on the blue side? Well, maybe I should put on some blue. So let's start with a blue jacket. So I've got my red shirt, 
So I did the Republican side. What about the blue side? Let's see if I can get a blue jacket up here quickly. Come on, Tony. Let's move this. Here we go. Here it is. All right. It's the blue side because we have red states and blue states. We have red for Republican, blue for Democrat. What are some of their positions? Social and racial justice. Welfare programs for the poor and the marginalized. Pro-choice for women regarding abortion. Marriage equality for same-sex couples. Economic disparities between the super rich and, and the rest. Free education for college and environmental justice and health care for all Americans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Unfortunately, the divisiveness is not just in the color of the states, but in many places, the colors of the people. And unfortunately, even in our churches. Came across this one picture that shows the church divided. Two choirs, one in red robes, one in blue robes. And this should not be, should it? Somehow we have allowed our churches to be separated and divided by red and blue. Some churches will even tell you who to vote for and what platform is more Christian than the other. Is a vote more Christian than the other if the vote is for a party that is pro-traditional marriage and anti-abortion? Is a vote more Christian than the other if the vote for a party is for pro-justice for people of color, pro-health care for the working class and the redistribution of wealth for anti-poverty programs? Which one's more Christian? And as believers, we have to be careful not to allow ourselves to be divided just because the world has divided itself into a two-party system. Last week, I said that we live in an environment where people are polarized by fear, politicized by anger, radicalized by injustice. Let's not fall into that trap. As gracious, let's remember that we are really neither red or blue. We're purple. <laughs> Did you ever see on the maps where they weren't quite sure if it was a red state or a, or a blue state and they were, they were mixed like purple? Well, I can't take off my red shirt. I can't take off my blue jacket. And let's go from, from blue. Ah, yeah, to purple. Ah, <laughs> look good, don't it? That's because, you know what? Purple represents so much more than the divisions of humanity. Purple are those states that are mixed red and blue, but beyond states and churches, purple in politics may mean I cross over both lines, but purple means more than that. It even means more than the Baltimore Ravens. I'm talking about the purple color of a higher calling. You see, the color purple is more about God than it is about government. Although our states and our candidates may be divided in red or blue, God's color is purple. The color purple is not just a movie or a book. The color purple is the color of victory and royalty. That's right. When you read the scriptures, you see that the color purple is about victory and royalty, 
It's God's color, so to speak. 1 Peter 2, 4 says this. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices accepting, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And verse 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. Then you get down to verse 13, and listen to what it says. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in this world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Aliens and strangers. You'll remember two weeks ago, I said that we are to live up to the worthiness of our calling from Ephesians 4.1, which says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And yet here... We find in Peter that we are known as aliens, strangers, and royalty. Basically, as followers of Christ, we are royal immigrants. And we find this all throughout Scripture. The Proverbs 31, virtuous woman, it says, she made her bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and, listen, purple. And Daniel then, Belshazzar, gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple. Jesus, when they were making fun of him on the cross when he was about to be crucified, it says in the text of Mark 15, verses 17 and 20, and they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on him, verse 20, and when they mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak. You see, I want you to lift your eyes above the red, above the blue, beyond the red states, beyond the blue states. We need to lift our eyes to the Lord from whence cometh our help. Our help comes from the maker of the heavens and the earth. God cannot be contained by one party. And did you know they not only had colors, but they also have a, a mascot, a symbol, if you will, and they're animals. Does anybody know the animal symbol for the Republicans? Any guess? That's right, the big old GOP, the elephant. And who knows the symbol for the Democrats? The donkey. Not sure who chose that, but we know what the donkey's called in the Bible. <laughs> You know, believers are not supposed to be red alone or blue alone. We are to be purple, and purple is the color of victory and royalty. We are not about the agenda of the elephant, and we are not about the agenda of the donkey. We are about what Samuel Rodriguez calls the lamb's agenda, not the elephant, not the donkey, but the lamb. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. And Isaiah 53, 6 and 7 say this, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed 
and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Friends, we are royalty, not because we deserve it, but because of grace. Kamala Harris can be an inspiration to little girls and to all of us breaking generations of the glass ceiling, but she cannot save the human soul. Joe Biden can show us what decency and civility and leadership may look like, but he cannot save a human soul. Donald Trump can show us what he showed us, but he is not the anointed savior of the evangelical Christian value system that somehow saves men and women from their sins. There's only one savior. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so I thought we would show you what a lamb looks like to remind you and to remind me that we all, like sheep, have gone, gone astray, whether we are Democrats or whether we are Republicans. We're all sinners. And the Scriptures tell us we are like sheep. And so as you see this sheep come out now, yeah, a real sheep, as you see this sheep come out, it will remind you and it will remind me that our agenda is the Lamb's agenda, that we find out that we are dependent on a shepherd, we are dependent on someone to carry us, someone to care for us, someone who will feed us, someone who will lead us. And the text tells us in Scripture that the lamb knows the voice of the shepherd, that the sheep knows the shepherd's voice, but that the sheep is also vulnerable by itself. It needs other sheep, but it needs a shepherd to protect it from the wolves and those that would come and try to to kill it. And the scripture says, this is, this is who we're like. In fact, John said, when, when, when he saw Jesus, look, it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Isaiah reminds us in Isaiah 53, verse 8 and 12, listen to what it says. As you look at this sheep, it says, by oppression and judgment, he, Jesus, was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet, verse 10, it was... It was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, verse 12, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressions. In a loud voice they sing in the New Testament when we get to heaven, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. It says that one day when we get to heaven, the lamb of God, this vulnerable sacrifice for the sins of many, Jesus Christ will be sitting on his throne 
and all those surrounded will give him seven accolades of praise, the exact opposite of a sheep. Think about the sheep and listen to the glory of God. Seven accolades of praise, the opposite. It says, in a loud voice they sang, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive. Are you ready? Number one, power. They ain't got it. Wealth. They ain't got it. Wisdom. <laughs> Are sheep really dumb? I don't know, but I don't think they have wisdom. Strength. They ain't got it. Honor. They ain't got it. Glory. They ain't got it. Praise. They ain't got it. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing. Listen to this. To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Hey, friends, reminding you today of who you are, of whose you are. It's not about red. It's not about blue. It's about purple because purple represents victory. Purple represents royalty. And the royalty that you and I have is not because we deserve it. We're just like sheep. The royalty that you and I have is because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll never look down our noses and believe that we're better than anybody else because of the party they represent, because of their color, or their gender, or their class. We will stand up and we will have class, and we will be gracious by celebrating with those who may have voted differently from us, but also by not falling into the trap of being polarized, politicized, radicalized, because we remember that God is in control. And like sheep, he has been sacrificed on our behalf, and because he's the good shepherd, like Emily is a good shepherd. By the way, did you know that the sheep's name is Victor? I think that's pretty cool. What's up, Victor? Can we say hi to Victor? What's up, Victor? How are you? Yeah, what a great name, short for victory. And you are the good shepherd, I guess, for Victor, aren't you? Yep. It takes care. And so before our, our musicians are going to come out and we're going to sing this final song, uh, what's it like taking care of a sheep? Dedication. Dedication. A lot of dedication. A lot of dedication. Can, can I touch it? Absolutely. Okay. Hey, buddy. Do they bite? They do not. Wow. They really are defenseless. They really are defenseless, and they need someone to take care of them. Absolutely. Wow. Do you find it amazing? I know we didn't plan an interview or anything, but because I've never, this is the first time I've ever touched a sheep. Um, I mean, holy sheep. I mean, <laughs> no, um, do, do you believe that when the scripture te teaches us that we're like sheep, is that a good illustration of the defenselessness and the vulnerability of human beings? It's a very good analogy. It is. They are very good at finding loopholes and, and getting themselves into trouble. Got mm. So they'll go astray and find themselves in trouble if you're not guiding them and caring for them Absolutely. and protecting them. Wow. Well, Victor, thanks for coming to Bridgeway Community Church. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? <laughs> Listen, I am so happy that you came here today, and I hope that you are like famous because the Lord says that he, he will one day gather all the sheep, his people, and he'll separate the sheep from the goats and all of us that gave our lives to him by faith, 
He will take care of us, save us, and bring us into eternity. So thanks for being our example today. And I bet you just love yourself some Emily. Probably the same way we ought to love Jesus. Come on out and let's sing this song. And whether you're in your kitchen, in your car, maybe you're in your living room, wherever you are, you know that song we sung right before with Tracy? We're going to sing it again, but I want you to sing it with us. And you can jump up and down if you want to, but wherever you are and whatever position you're in, hold on to this truth because this truth that he can do all things but fail needs to be in your spirit as we go through whatever season is in front of us because we still don't know what is ahead of us, but we know the one who is.